Well, hi and welcome back. Uh, I am Bob, joined here with Matt and Todd, and we are coming to you again in this uh, pastor's podcast, Edifying the Saints. Uh, we're a ministry of Maranatha Bible Church, located in Comstock Park, Michigan, just outside of Grand Rapids. Uh, last time, we finished our series as we we're going through life in Christ, what did it mean to be in Christ. Um, we're continuing the, the overall theme, uh, which is called Coram Deo, our life lived before the face of God. Uh, but we are now transitioning from what does it mean to be in Christ to what well, is the suffering and sovereignty of God. So the next couple of weeks, we want to dive into uh, what does it mean uh, that believers suffer in or before the face of God. Um, so what does that look like? We want to put that in the context. So how it's going to lay out uh, is today we're going to do kind of a 30,000-foot overview looking at um, just suffering in general, the Bible and the believer in suffering, and kind of do some overviews here and there. Uh, but then the next few weeks we're going to dive into some very specific topics and say, hey, you know, this is something that's common to man. How can we uh, live like this in the midst of our, our trials and our suffering? Um, so I think oftentimes um, two things have happened through the course of uh, church history, right? And we'll talk about this before we dive in. Um, first of all, we've been told that, hey, um, once you are saved, you're good to go, right? Like uh, there is no more suffering. Uh, you're going to be living the good life. You're going to be free from trials or hardships. You know, maybe you've heard the line, come to Jesus and your life will be forever better or, or whatever those things are, right? Um, and so the, the church has done a really poor job of preaching the gospel. So not only on top of that, um, why don't you guys talk about a little bit, not just the, the easy believism, as you will, if you will, but kind of the other gospels that have kind of fed into this too. Yeah, I think you see this a lot with the Word of Faith movement, um, health, wealth, prosperity, where it's, it's God's will that believers be prosperous in this life, just have an easy, well-off life and... Really, their answer to that is if you're suffering, uh, if you're going through trials, if you're going through hardship, is because you don't have enough faith. Mm. And you need to increase your faith, uh, and with that will come all of the blessings, uh, um, provision in this life, uh, and you'll be prosperous. So it doesn't negate the idea of suffering entirely, but it kind of says this isn't something that's natural to a believer. This is really a consequence of something that you need to correct. Um, whereas, as we'll obviously go through today, this is not something we should be surprised by, as Scripture mm -hmm. says. Um, but that would be that would be one. Yeah, I would agree. And, and let me just say before we dive into this a little bit further, I'm, I'm excited about this topic, not because I love suffering, <laughs> but because I think it's so practical. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think if anyone in our church or any believer was honest, they would admit that there's problems, trials, and hardships in their life. And none of us are immune from this. None of us are exempt from this. And so uh, we're hopeful that this series over the next few uh, podcasts is going to be super practical and um, uh, helpful and encouraging uh, to uh, those of you that might be listening to this because this meets us right where we're at. And, and I would agree with you, Matt, that we're we're living in an evangelical culture that, by and large, wants to dismiss suffering as part of the Christian life. You mentioned mm -hmm. the health, wealth, prosperity gospel. I mean, this is Joel Osteen theology, you know, lived out. And, and there's this expectation that God wants you happy, wealthy, healthy, uh, no problems. And that's just not real life. 
And I was reading a little bit from uh, John Murray's booklet, uh, Behind a Frowning Providence. This is what he says. Uh, he says, sadly, such teaching seems far removed from the outlook that prevails in large parts of the church today. The impression is given that the purpose of the Christian life is enjoyment. Everything that stands in the way of that is to be eliminated. People are looking for a problem-free Christianity. The health, wealth, and success gospel is having a field day. Purveyors of such a gospel look the part. Unfortunately, the hollowness of such views becomes apparent when suffering, sorrow, or disappointment comes. Then it becomes clear that we need a faith that is grounded in God's Word. Mm. Really so he, he's saying what we're trying to get at here, that that sounds all well and good, that God wants you happy and, and a problem-free life. Number one, that's not realistic. Number right. two, when troubles and trials in life come, there's no uh, framework to handle them right. if that's the theology that's adopted. Mm -hmm. And so those kind of theological constructs and systems are doing a great disservice to the church because they're not giving answers to our people for how to handle troubles and trials when they come. And so what we want to do in this podcast is, is to think through this in a biblical manner so that we can fortify our souls and so that we can have, as he says here, a faith that is grounded in God's Word so that we can mm. um, biblically and uh, dependently navigate the trials that God's going to bring into our life. Yeah, because I think even listening to, to Murray there and you know thinking about the various gospels that aren't gospels, the prosperity ones, I mean, that just makes a life about you. And so you're no longer grounded in God, focused on God, desiring to please God, but it's saying, hey, what can I get out of this life? Mm -hmm. And the happier I am, that's the more blessed I am from God. But you've just made yourself your own God. Uh, and so you're seeking to please yourself, unfortunately. Yeah, and if I could add one more thing that he says here. Um, so our, our theme for this section is uh, suffering and the sovereignty of God. Right. Mm -hmm. Emphasis on the sovereignty of God. So if we don't have a robust understanding of the sovereignty of God in suffering, there's two ditches that we can fall into. And he brings this out in this first little section here. Let me just read another couple sentences. He says, when adversity comes into our lives, we tend to react in one of two ways. We may say that it is from a source other than God, and he has no power to stop it. Or we may say it is an evidence of God's anger against us. Mm. Either way, we are guilty of casting aspersions on the character of our Father and consequently of perverting our attitude to him. That's a, that's a strong statement, accurate mm -hmm. statement. But he says, yeah, you're in danger of two problems if you don't have a robust understanding of the sovereignty of God. Number one, you may say that God couldn't stop it because he's not powerful enough. Mm -hmm. right. Or you say he's powerful enough to stop it, but he must be mad or angry at you. And so you're just being the recipient of God's, you know, uh, just his anger at you. And so both of those are wrong understanding. So we want to navigate kind of through those in a biblical manner. Yeah, I think that's good because that's that's really the argument from the world looking in and saying, okay, well, you're a, you say you're a Christian, yet you're still suffering. If God is all powerful and all good, how does he allow suffering to happen? Why is there evil in the world? Right. Why is there natural disasters? Why are, why are all these things coming? Right. How can you serve a God like that? And we need to be ready for our own hearts and to be able to to defend you know the, the faith 
uh, that's in us, right. we need to be able to answer these questions or at least have a, yeah, have an understanding of God's character in the midst of suffering. Have exactly. a, really a good theology of suffering, I think, is crucial for a believer. Yeah, yeah, and I like uh, Paul, right? So you think about all these people saying, hey, live your best life now, right? And uh, imagine telling the Apostle Paul, hey, if you just had more faith, <laughs> you wouldn't have gone through all this. But I like what, you know, in Acts 14, he, they plant churches and he's going back to the churches and he says, after they, in Acts 14, 21 and 22, after they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. So all of the different places they planted churches, what were they doing? Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. Well, how did they do that? It says, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So Paul told them, hey, let me encourage you you're going to be going through many tribulations, and that tribulation means this, this affliction, this oppression, this distress that comes upon you. And so basically what he's saying is your normal everyday life now as a believer is going to be filled with these things. It's not that, that uh, God has now given up on you. Uh, it's actually you now are part of God's family, and by being part of God's family, this is a normal practice, right? So it's kind of like the, the introduction to the whole series. Um, today we just want to take the next few minutes and just generally talk about Christian suffering, and uh, and I think you know the the two uh, the two kind of gutters that you put out there, right? Like either God doesn't care about us, or God's not strong enough to do it to, to take care of it. And we want to make sure we stay out of those, as you said. We're gonna go right down the middle of that. So the first thing we have to make uh, this statement is is just to say what every believer knows is that Christians suffer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, first and foremost, when you're born again, that God doesn't take away our susceptibility to diseases and illnesses, right? We still get sick. We still uh, ultimately die unless the rapture comes, uh, you know, we still fall and break things and all of those. So we still suffer like that. And we're still part of creation here. And creation has, uh, you know, been um, affected by sin. And so things that happen to bridge breaks and all of that kind of stuff. So we all still go through that. Um, and we go through persecution for being a believer. And so I think we just need to set the stage and say, hey, suffering is out there. Suffering is upon us. And we as believers still suffer. Yeah, I think that's good because, you know, like you said, there's the suffering uh, that is just due to a cursed creation. Uh, the sin is, the curse of sin is over creation. I mean, creation longs, groans mm. for uh, the return of its creator uh, so that it's no longer subject to these things. But that means it is now. Right. So all people suffer, but I think what's important is Christians are likely to suffer more mm-hmm. being in this world and following Christ. I think of John 15, where he's telling his disciples, if the world hates me, it's going to hate you too. And it's, he's not looking for a way to remove them from that. In fact, in John 17, later on, he says, no, but sanctify them uh, in truth. Your word is truth. Mm-hmm. So God, or Christ is not looking to remove them from that, to remove them from their suffering. Rather, he's saying, this is going to happen. You're living in a world that hates me, hates the truth, if you're following this truth, the world is going to hate you too. Don't be surprised by that. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to send a helper for you. I'm going to you have truth. Uh, you're going to be sanctified in that. So really, if for, for a believer, there should be more suffering than there is for someone who's living according to the world. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you referenced the, the concept, but let's tie it to a verse, 1 Peter 4, 12. Peter says, Beloved, do not be surprised yeah. at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. And that's the reality. We as believers should not respond to suffering with, oh my goodness, how in the world could this have ever happened to me? I thought I became a Christian to avoid this stuff. I thought when I became a believer, life was going to get easier. And frankly, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. 
oftentimes when a person becomes a believer, life becomes harder right. because of the opposition of the world, the, the flesh, the devil. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so it, it actually brings about greater suffering. Mm. Here's the issue though, and this is I think maybe what some believers don't understand, is that as an unbeliever, when trials came into their life, they didn't have a context to understand mm. them or right. make any sense of them. Right. But for us as believers, when we experience suffering or trials or hardships or difficulties, now for the first time in our life, we have a means to understand mm. the purpose behind them, mm. right? So I think that's the key issue for us as believers. Not, it's not that you're exempted from suffering. Right. It's that now we have a framework to understand them and we have a framework to deal with them and we can see how God uses them in our life for our good and His glory. And I think that's sometimes what believers miss in the midst of this whole understanding of suffering and the sovereignty of God. Yeah, because even the way Peter puts it there, he, he's actually saying like, don't be surprised when suffering comes. Actually be surprised if it's not coming. Exactly. You know, and, and I think too we... You know, while we don't live in the first century church, and you know, the first 300 years of the church was was basically running for their lives in various parts of, of the Roman Empire, we don't live in that here in America. Um, and so not to diminish the suffering that, that we go through by any stretch of the imagination, I just have to make sure we're looking at the context of, of where he was and what he was saying. And so we may say, oh, I'm... You know, my suffering is not as great, which may be true, but we're still suffering, right? And so as believers, we're, we're still going to go through those things. We have to make sure that, as you said, we have the framework for God. And there is a, and this will kind of segue into the next portion, there's a purpose for why yeah. we suffer. And so I um, just want to talk about that for a few minutes. And, and so these are, these are some of the things that we'll go through over the course of the next four or five weeks or three, four weeks. Um, the purposes of our suffering. We want to take just a, a real 30,000-foot view, look at the whole forest, not looking at the trees right now. Um, and so purposes of suffering, and, and I think this is the meat of it because we have God who gives us purpose for our suffering. And so we may not understand it in its entirety, but he can give us a framework to see what he's doing uh, in that exact moment. So let's talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, Murray calls this, uh, as the title of the book, Behind a Frowning Providence. So what, what, what are the things that God is doing when he appears to frown on us mm -hmm. in his providence in our lives? And, um, and this is what we want to flesh out. There are purposes. Mm -hmm. There are things that he is doing. There are good things that come from the suffering when we experience God's frowning providence. And one would just be our own uh, discipline, right? So the one would be sometimes God brings suffering and trials into our life to discipline us, to confront us in our sin. This is Hebrews 12, of course, where God says he disciplines those whom he loves. And so part of the purposes of suffering is um, at times we're in sin and times we're, we're in need of God's correcting hand. At mm -hmm. times we need to be told and shown where there's unbiblical thoughts, attitudes, desires, actions. And so sometimes it's through suffering that he gets our attention and he reveals those things to us. Mm -hmm. and, and that's for our good, mm -hmm. right? We need that. That shows his love for us, mm -hmm. that he's willing to um, bring those to our attention. So in one sense, one of the first questions a believer should ask themselves, I think, in the midst of suffering is this. Is there any sin in my life? Mm -hmm. Is there something in my life 
that God in his love, just like a parent who loves their child, will discipline their child. Is there any sin in my life for which the Lord is lovingly disciplining me? That doesn't mean that's the sole purpose of of suffering, which we'll talk about in a moment, but it could be one of the things. Mm. And so I, I know my own life as we've experienced trials and hardships, I've had to ask myself that question, Lord, is there sin in my life? Is there unrepentant, hard-hearted sin for which you might be you know, uh, ordaining this in my life? And so I think that's one purpose. He could use it to discipline us. Yeah, I think another um, would just be our sanctification. You know, he's, you think of Romans 8, right? That's the, the blanket statement. God causes all things. So that's mm. comprehensive. So obviously suffering would fall under all, um, but he uses all things for good for those who love God. Um, but, you know, even going back to 1 Peter 4, that passage we quoted just a moment ago, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that come upon you for your testing. Mm. So even the imagery there, the, the fiery trials, it's, you know, you take a, a metal and you melt it down so the impurities rise to the top and they take those off and they do that over and over again. It's a purification process I and mean, that's what our trials do for us they they remove these impurities they grow us in Christ they grow us in conformity to his son um, so I mean you look at most of the passages that talk about you know James 1 Romans 5 all of these things they build something in us uh, they perfect us they uh, they they make us more like Christ so it's it's that sanctifying effect that trials uh, can have in a believer. So I think that's another one. Yeah, and I like what you referenced, uh, Romans eight twenty eight. So many people go to that passage <laughs> and they say, everything works together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And they think what that means is, well, this is going to turn out good somehow. Right. Right. There's going to be a silver lining here somewhere. And I don't know yet how it's going to work out, but there's going to be something that that's good. It's going to be really good. And I, mm -hmm. I can't see it yet, but it's going to happen. And they forget verse 29. <laughs> What's the purpose? What's the purpose? <laughs> yeah. What's the good? Yeah. The good is conforming us to the image of his son. Right. right? So that's getting to your point of sanctification. One of the things he's doing, that that's the good that he's trying to accomplish in us is Christ-likeness and conformity to his son. And so the cancer may not go away. Right. The mm. financial problems may continue. Um, the relational issues that you have with another person may be there till the day you die. So Romans 8.28 is not an ironclad promise that all your problems go away. It's that in the midst of those trials, the Lord's using them to sanctify you and make you like Jesus. Yeah, that's good. I like to, um, we have uh, the comfort of others. And, and Paul says in 2 Corinthians, Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so that, or for the purpose of that, we may be able to comfort those who are in any mm -hmm. affliction with the comfort uh, with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we're afflicted so that we will have mercy on other people. And the affliction that comes upon us, um, it, it may be dual purpose, right? And God is in his manifold wisdom, certainly works all things in, in areas that we don't even know at times. And it could be for disciplinary purposes, sanctification, you know, growing in those areas. But then we shouldn't just think about ourselves. Like when we're suffering, we have to say, okay, how is God going to use this for me to be able to minister to somebody else? And so that's how body life ministry then works, as we're saying, my suffering is just not about me. And I like what Paul told the Colossian church. He's like, my suffering's on your behalf, right? And so Paul even knew like his sufferings were there. And he said, you know, for the sake of the elect, he would continue getting being uh, um, persecuted. And so we have to keep our eyes off of ourselves from navel-gazing, 
but to keep him on Christ and what is he actually doing here. And so sometimes it's sanctification, sometimes it's for discipline, sometimes it's to comforting others. And do you guys have another one as well? Yeah, I would add education. So uh, you know, what is there's things that God is teaching us, not just about us, but about him. Hmm. And so I, I love in the opportunities of trials, there are times when we get to see and experience God in a way that we wouldn't if we weren't in those trials. Mm-hmm. I look back on the trials in our life and I, you know, I think back about just some of those hardships and difficulties and some lasted weeks, some lasted months, some lasted years. And, and I guarantee that there were things that the Lord was teaching us, showing us about His character. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm not sure I would have understood, understood His comfort had I not been in those trials. I'm not sure I would have understood his faithfulness had I not been in those trials. I'm not sure I would have understood um, his, his um, kindness and his compassion mm-hmm. and the fact that he is my portion and my strength and my rock and my fortress and my deliverer and my stronghold. And like, I'm not sure I would have experienced those things about who God is had he not allowed me or even ordained for me to be in those trials. So I think there is an education element, uh, particularly as it relates to the nature and attributes of God that we don't learn when life is easy, right? Hmm. when life is really comfortable and we're not really having to depend on Him and we're not having to cast ourselves upon Him, um, that there's an element of the, the character of God that we can only learn in the crucible. Yeah. Yeah, I think another one we talked about was anticipation. So, and really, this is this could be kind of a byproduct of that sanctification. Um, as you're being sanctified, as you're being conformed to Christ, as you're now separating yourself from the world, there's just an eagerness. You're looking ahead now. You're heavenly minded. You're, you're longing for the return of Christ because you want to be you want to be out of this. I mean, you realize suffering is just a natural part, not only as a life of a believer, just as a, a life in a sin cursed world. So you just long for Christ's return. And I think of, again, 1 Peter 4, the context of that letter, he's writing to all of these believers who are in the midst of, inten- in the midst of intense persecution. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in the Roman Empire. They're, uh, the, they're getting persecution from the world. And, you know, 1 Peter 1, one of my favorite chapters in the New Testament, he just details this heavenly inheritance, this living hope that's, that's waiting for them. It's reserved in heaven. It's protected by the power of God. And then after he details all of this, verse 13, he says, Therefore, Prepare your minds for action, keep sober in spirit, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought Mm. to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Mm. So these sufferings, he's reminding them of gospel truth, not only to, uh, you know, preserve them now, but to get them looking forward, to get their mind off of what's happening here and just long for the return of Christ and all that's going to come, that inheritance that we're going to receive at the return of Christ. So it gets us really off of being earthly-minded. Yeah. Uh, we're not concerned as much about what's happening here. We long for what is to come. Uh, so I think that's uh, another uh, purpose in suffering. It's really good. Sometimes we get our claws into this world and we think this is home. Yeah. And suffering has a way of prying our fingers off of this world mm-hmm. and helping us long for our true home. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, that Paul Tripp said something along the lines of there, there is nothing of value that sufferings can, can take away. 
Hmm. And so when we really think about it, like suffering only adds to us godliness. And that's what we'll talk about, you know, through all these different avenues. So, yeah, it's really helpful. Um, and so lastly, you know, uh, faith and life intersecting, suffering in the Christian life. And I like what Sproul says, suffering has a way of cutting through abstract theology and getting to the heart of matters. Oh, that seem most pressing and practical. Most significantly, suffering has a way of prompting us to ask God why he has allowed particular tragedies to come into our lives. Um, and that's, uh, I think Sproul wrote a book called Surprised by Suffering. And so that's from there. Um, so by seeking God in our, in our trials, and Todd, you said it's at the beginning, um, we're acknowledging something huge, and that's that we believe in the sovereignty of God. And so in the midst of our sufferings, we have to remember that God is in control. God is all-powerful. And, uh, and maybe we can flesh out this next line a little bit because sometimes we say God allows trials, but the Bible actually says God ordains trials, right? And so maybe mm -hmm. you, can, you can explain that for us a little bit. Yeah, I think you could even look at examples in Scripture. Um, you, know, you think of Joseph, right? He was... Uh, sold into slavery by his brothers. He endured all that he did through his life in Egypt. But, you know, he says in Genesis 45, 5, now do, he's talking to his brothers, now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. Hmm. So it's not God allowed you to do this so that he could work things out for his purposes. Right. No, God actually sent Joseph by means of that. So God ordained what was to happen to Joseph for his purposes. Um, and then probably the one that uh, most everyone is thinking about when they th think about suffering is Job. And you think of Job 1 and 2 when you, we kind of get this picture of, of the, this heavenly realm and Satan is before the Lord and he's uh, kind of goading him on, look at this one, you, you've not done, nothing, done nothing to him, of course he's going to follow you. And then what does God do? He allows Satan, he uh, kind of uh, yeah, allows Satan to test Job, but there's boundaries set by the Lord. There's, he doesn't just allow him. He says, have you he, considered? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> God is the one who initiates right? that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you see not once but twice in Job 1 and 2, yeah. and yeah. God says, you can do this, but go. you can only go to here. So he's he's setting the parameters. Yeah. He's uh, uh, ordaining all of this to happen. So we, we have to say that God ordains suffering. Yeah, I don't think the word allow is strong enough. Mm. Yeah. I think if we say God simply allows suffering into, into your life, I think it almost communicates the fact that he's caught off guard by it, right. but he can work with it. Hmm. He didn't really see it coming, but um, he's God, so he can figure it out a way. snuck in and got snuck plan in. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't plan A, but we'll right. come up with plan we'll B. Do, yeah. Yeah. I don't think that word is strong enough. If we truly understand, I mean, what is providence? What, what does the word providence Pro mean? Providence. Yeah, to providence, see before, to yeah. see beforehand. Mm. Yeah. That's exactly what um, we have to think of when it comes to, uh, to suffering. And um, it, it says here in this book by Murray, God has planned everything for his creation. And because he is sovereign, God uh, is a sovereign God. Everything will come to pass as he purposed. Providence is that marvelous working of God by which all events and happenings in the universe accomplish the purpose that he has in mind. So I think we need to include suffering in that as well. Absolutely. There is the design mm -hmm. to suffering. There is sovereignty of God in suffering. And so I don't think it's, it's enough to say he simply allows it. When we encounter suffering, I think we have to say, the Lord has ordained this for me mm -hmm. for a purpose, and I'm going to trust him because I can't see the purposes, but he knows. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to choose to trust him in the midst of these trials because he's sovereign, but he's also good.
Yeah, yeah cuz the, the 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 idea of allowing is like there's just a lot of stuff that's out there and God's just kind of working with it, right? So you take like Joseph, the the passage there Genesis 45 and and um you know imagine if Joseph was like you guys did all of this and I thank God that he was able to work through your bad choices. <laughs> And as if those people, as if God was up there saying, man, I wonder what these guys are going to do. I, I've got my hands full here, but I'm, I'm going to try to work this out. He says, no, you know, and then you go to Genesis 50, 20, what yeah. mm-hmm. you ordained or for evil, God ordained for good. What you right. intended for evil, God ordained for good. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you see even Joseph's heart in that was he could see God's even working, you know, through this time. That's right. And you think of uh, what was the most horrific suffering that was ever endured in history the crucifixion of Christ, all that he endured, the all the evil uh, that that came uh, that came against him. But Acts two, what does it say? This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. This was not God had a plan. Christ was on earth, telling people of the kingdom, calling them to repent. Evil prevailed over that, and God, well, let's see what we can do with this. Right. No, this was a predetermined plan by God that Christ would suffer on, uh, for believers. So again, we have to say that God is ordaining this. He's not just rolling with the punches and saying, he's not reactionary, Right, is how we should put it. He's he's planning all, he has planned all of this. What out. I love about that is you see both in operation there. Right. He says, according to the predetermined plan of foreknowledge of God, you yeah. nailed yeah. him to the cross. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're culpable, they're responsible for that mm-hmm. great act of evil and suffering. But God was sovereign over all of it, accomplishing his greater purposes. Yeah, because that's important because then you see that he ordains it, but he's not ultimately responsible exactly. for it. Right. So it's that idea of divine concurrence where he's ordaining all of these right. things, but it's through the agency of man, of you know the created order, to the effect that they are the ones culpable for that sin. It is not originating from God, but he uses that, he ordains that for his plans and purposes. important because we cannot attribute evil to God. Right, right. James yeah, 1. Very yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, and I like just to end with, I, I like in the X where he says, predetermined plan by the foreknowledge of God. Mm-hmm. So not predetermined planned as Christ came, but it was based on God's foreknowledge as well. So you see these two futuristic ideas, right? Like predetermined and foreknowledge where, you know, the, the, the author there is just saying, hey, we want to make sure that you understand this was totally by God. And oh, by the way, you're the one that gets culpable for it because mm-hmm. you're the one that literally handed Jesus over here. You know, I think that's very, very helpful. Well, guys, I hope that was helpful. Um, For the next few weeks, like I said, we're going to talk about things like how do we have joy in our suffering? Uh, What kind of lessons can we learn? How do we learn lessons in our suffering? Uh, We're going to talk about how can we grow in our suffering? And then also we want to talk about some cautions for our suffering, Um, some kind of uh, pits or traps that we can fall into real easily uh, in our suffering. And so we want to make sure we steer clear of that too. So, Uh, Other than that, I hope it was good for you. If you guys have any questions or comments, feel free to email us. Otherwise, we'll see you next time and have a good week.